It's This Week in Sleeves with your host, the great lord, Joshua Regal and Sleazy K. This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted. Let's talk the fucking of whole fans. In a tribute kind of episode, despite having covered his movies joyously before, we talk of the recently deceased photographer-slash-actor-slash-director who previously gave us visual, sexy, but also wacky playtime in movies such as The Temptation Summary Ones and Wild at Heart. But as we send him out, in a way, we go back to his Shaw Brothers days, uh, crafting gorgeous-looking misadventures in fooling, and his take on the source material Sex and Sen also adapted. And therefore, coming up in this episode is our review of 1975's Girl with Long Hair and 1987's You Poison 2. And I'm Sleazy K, and with me, with a tuxedo painted onto his naked body in memory of Ho Fun, is the great Lord Joshua Regal. <laughs> That, that that's the uh, gag from Wild at Heart, you know, the guy, oh, yeah, yeah. The guy in the parking <laughs> parking garage, <laughs> instantaneous uh, tuxedo, exactly like behind a pillar, and then Whoop. and then back. Hello, hello, I got the tuxedo on. Let's bring in the wine and ruin <laughs> ruin the tuxedo. I've not laughed that much in a while. Uh, watching that scene and listening to you recap it again, that, that was wonderful. So, <laughs> all hail uh, Ho Fun for uh, the great uh, painting. On painting of tuxedo onto naked body type of cinema. That's that's the type of cinema we're dealing with here. So yeah, it's uh, sad that we've lost uh, a craftsman, but uh, there's uh, a long life, as we'll explain in a little bit. We prepared a little more heftier bio for you all to. Uh, and some links in the show post to his uh, photography as well, because uh, this was a multimedia man, right? Uh, but uh, without tapping your opinion for now, but like spontaneously thinking back on a movie like Wild at Heart, these two movies, um, Temptation Summary 2 about making Category 3 movies, is there any movie that just like make you go, boom, that's my favorite whole fun movie? Because we had fun with most of them, so it's like uh, mostly comedies. Uh, and, I, and I think this week we're going to have a lot of fun with these two movies as well. So uh, it's it's kind of tricky. I'm, mm. I'm looking forward to talking about uh, his Shaw Brothers venture. Yeah, indeed. And uh, he he had a longer Shaw Brothers uh, venture and an adventure than uh, people might think. He was also an actor, as we've uh, as we said. So if you ever um, cross paths with that uh, uh, Journey to the West. Uh, not trilogy, they did four movies, whatever whatever that's called. Um, quadrilogy. Pro- quadrilogy, thank you. Uh, <laughs> so if you ever watch The Monkey Goes West, which is the first one, uh, Hawthorne is the monk in that one. And uh, and uh, the likes of uh, Yu Hua from Come, Dr- Come Drink With Me is the Monkey King. And uh, I've seen the first, it was good fun. Good uh, good uh, fantasy fun, if you will. But uh, we'll get to the, our tribute and all of that after some brief contact information. This is This Week in Sleaze 46. Uh, we, uh, it, it, seems om- it seems almost uh, always like shocking that, my God, we've been doing this for a long while, despite not being on this like weekly, bi-weekly, even monthly schedule. You and I uh, go back a few years and the production therefore uh, proves that, you know, so... So well done, my friend, for staying on and uh, to do another episode and a tribute episode, nonetheless. So, uh, but um, we this is this week in Slee, So we are on podcastonfire.com, where you find this show and all our other shows on a variety of, of 
type of uh, cinema from Hong Kong, from Japan, Korea, sleazy cinema in the case of this show. And we also do bonus episodes, commentaries, and uh, index them in Taiwan every now and again. And the whole fan has actually worked in Taiwan every now and again as well. So we might do a Taiwan noir on one or two of his movies in the future. But uh, if you have any questions or feedback, email us at the following address, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Check us out on social media. Even though uh, there was no like outpouring of love of whole fun, I loved the little articles that uh, popped up on social media from uh, from English language uh, uh, sites. So it was nice to see his uh, uh, some tribute and some uh, gorgeous photographs of uh, of him from his uh, long long career. Uh, but uh, we are uh, at any rate on Facebook. You can reach that. Clicking the button at the top of our website uh, that leads us to our page, also to our discussion group. So you're welcome in and. Uh, to join uh, the lighthearted and friendly discussion. You can also find us on Twitter via one of those buttons. Our iTunes feed is available there as well, so subscribe to us, rate us, and even leave a written comment. And finally, there's a button to, to Stitcher Radio where you'll find us and our shows um, for uh, for free as always, but uh, you're able to stream them on there in case you don't want to don't want to download anything to your device that's probably filled with whole fun photographs by now. So they'd make good like phone backgrounds, really, because uh, they're mm-hmm. they're so like they're they're sparse, as we'll explain. Like they're they're like there's always they're, they're not crowded. You know what I mean? So they they make good uh, iPhone backgrounds. For instance, I was not paid to say that, <laughs> just so you know. And, uh, and Stitcher also has applications available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. And I review these kind of category-free movies and a variety of other genres from Hong Kong and Taiwan at SoGoodReviews.com. My video hub is LizzyKVideo.com and my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews. ShelfLifeClothing.com probably won't design a whole fun t-shirt because, well, you know what? In a way, Dave, this is loosely connected, right? But whole fun, this is like two degrees of whole fun to shelf life clothing right whole fun has done, done category free movies shelf life clothing clothing has done a category free t-shirt and that's the closest you'll get to feeling like cat free man which is uh, from whole fans cinema right <laughs> so so like uh, it's uh, he hasn't done like a superhero t-shirt with the cat free logo on it brian at shelf life clothing but he has done a uh, very stained looking category free t-shirt that was the first thing i saw like it looks like it's probably like paint on there that's not what i saw and i'll leave it at that like let your dirty mind catch up to me oh he's talking about cum semen (laughs) i have two of those t-shirts for some reason i don't know why Three, no two, no don't don't correct me, doggy. And occasionally, Joshua, you do a podcast, um, and uh, when you don't do, there's an archive of them of uh, a variety of uh, reviews, not of whole fun movies, occasionally Asian cinema. But uh, you have a uh, particular particular thesis and theme going on over at the Trashy Trio, which is all about reviewing what kind of movies. If you were to summarize it really quickly. Trash classics, all genres, all makes, all models. Movies that uh, you feel disgusted. And... Yeah, I was about to say reprehend- uh, reprehensible should be uh, yeah. <laughs> should be a word connected to the content, <laughs> not the uh, not the skills uh, skills of you as reviewers. It's a little bit of both, you know. Our show is very similar to what we do here, but uh, unfortunately, we haven't been able to record here lately. Just been a series of comical errors. We recorded one full episode and 
when we finished, I, I checked my recordings and it did not record. So I was like, fuck. Uh, then the next week we wanted to do it. And, uh, Wendy, my co-host, she had to go, uh, out of town. So we're just trying to get back on the wagon. It's the, uh, it's the, uh, the greatest challenge of podcasting. It really is getting mm-hmm. schedules to align even between two people. Very true. So, uh, yeah, but I hope you get back on the horse again. And in the meantime, there will be support out there for you. So uh, you haven't lost anyone. I guarantee you that. <laughs> All righty. Let's uh, take a short musical break. And, like, it's impossible not to choose the theme of Dana's from Girl with the Long Hair when you do post music. <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> so it's we're going to do. Music. Yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of good music, man. And uh, a playful soundtrack. But we, we'll play a little snippet from girl with the long hair from 1975 and we'll be back after that to give you the rundown of what's to come and then uh, do the review of that movie from Shaw Brothers, Shaw Brothers release if you will so sit back, uh, sit tight and we'll be back And welcome back, and uh, just before we get things going, I'm going to give you a little bit of a rundown, we, because we have two movies to review and a biography to share with you, hence there are a few sections here within the episode coming up, so I thought I'd give you a heads up of what's to come, and let you know also that the running times for each segment will be available in the show posts. So first up is the Girl with the Long Hair section, starting with the biography of the late director Ho Fan, followed by our review of uh, said movie. There will be a break after that, and uh, then we conclude the show with our review of Ho Fan's You Point Zen 2, uh, like the f- sort of second Sex and Zen adaptation out there in cinema, but this came before Sex and Zen. And, uh, and I say kind of, because 3D Sex and Zen followed the original novel a little bit, like uh, sort of the key points, and then ventured off in some into some torture porn <laughs> in uh, 3D Sex and Zen, as you might remember, Joshua. Oh, it's so good. We uh, we start Girl with Long Hair from 1975 and plot from my review of the film On Vacation in Thailand, Millionaire Richard, played by Wei Wang, which is a Shaw Brothers veteran and the co-director of his own crazy exploitation flick Lude Lizard, which um, we might uh, we might do for a show sometime. It's like the worst quality movie I've ever seen because they're like <laughs> in, in terms of like it's the bootleg to shit like and copy to shit, but. We watched through all the tracking lines and stuff like that to try and see what this movie was about. And it was a crazy exploitation flake behind all those tracking lines, VHS tracking lines. So That's the type of quality I go for. Exactly. So that's Wei Wang. He, he, you can also see him in uh, like Cheng Chie movies, Lao Galong movies, I believe. So he, he, was a, he appeared in multi, uh, multiple genres. But anyway, uh, uh, Richard, uh, he's on vacation in Thailand and he leads his... Uh, Goes to Thailand, sorry, with his blind wife, Jia Li, played by Terry Liu from Bamboo House of Dolls. But when he checks in, he is mesmerized by the arrival of Dana, played by Dana. Always. <laughs> she has a Chinese name, but uh, she went under the name Dana. And uh, she's always accompanied by her own theme music, as you might have heard here in the break. Desperate to get near her, uh, Richard, that is, 
Player Friend by Lian Shi, played by Henry Yu, may have the experience to get it all done under the radar of the unknowing and blind wife. So, <laughs> like, yeah, he's going to hell automatically because right, he's going like, to cheat on his blind wife. <laughs> fucking asshole. What an asshole, indeed. Uh, that, that's misadventures in fooling, man. They're, they're no good. They're never good, these guys. So, um... But uh, we'll get to the actual wife. We're going to talk a little bit about the recently deceased whole fun. And I'm going to open with a quote from an interview he did with The Independent. And I think it's, you know, on a serious note, it's quite beautiful and inspiring because he was always meant to use his eye, really. So, uh, And he enjoyed that uh, all throughout his life. So, quote, filmmaking is my profession. Photography is my passion. I love photography more because uh, I have more freedom of expression and there's no pressure from the box office. So that's a wonderful thing. You don't just use your eye for one thing. You use your eye for, uh, you know, doing your off uh, off time. Uh, the, your time where a passion doesn't pay, but it's still a passion you pursue. So I think that's, uh, that's marvellous. But anyway, Ho Fan was born in Shanghai in 1931 and was given a camera at the age of 14. And seemingly quickly his eyes started to flourish and develop. And uh, the family then relocated to Hong Kong in 1949. And the young man continued documenting light. Shadow, the daily lives of residents, and Hong Kong's massive urban development and restructuring. Those were kind of uh, portraits and themes he was looking for. His own family wasn't poor, but the desperation and struggle to survive was still felt around them. So, um, you know, he started walking the streets for inspiration, but didn't want to capture busy urban life, but rather sunlight, shadows, and the atmosphere within those elements, such as people on rickshaws and uh, pictures of bamboo scaffolding, small boats, uh, but all containing single individuals. That's something he really liked, seemingly. And uh, in the end, Ho Fan earned more than 300 awards locally and internationally for his photography over the course of his life. And um, he was uh, especially, you know, being singled out for documenting these classic periods. That's like uh, vintage Ho Fan photography. And throughout his life, he was also invited by several universities universities in Taiwan as visiting professor to teach the art of filmmaking and photography. He wrote five books, including one that contained all his award-winning prints. That would be a lovely book to have, just to, to flick through these uh, marvelous black-and-white mm-hmm. photography. Uh, he enjoyed you know, distinct, uh, distinctly different careers, too, as we've said, photographer, actor, and director. Shaw, Shaw Brothers loomed at one point, and uh, he entered the studio not as an actor first, but as an assistant director on the Linda Lindai film The Swallow. But before long, Hofan moved in front of the cameras, uh, most notably as the monk in Shaw Brothers' four-part adaptation of the classic novel Journey to the West, which was the following movies: The Monkey Goes West, Princess Ion Fan, Cave of the Silken Web, and The Land of Many Perfumes. But subsequently, Hofan became a full-time director um, after leaving Shaw Brothers. Actually, he did came came back, uh, come back, but uh, he uh, went independent. Uh, he made a name for himself in the erotic field with an experimental film called Me from 19, uh, 1970, MI, so maybe it's my. And that was even screened at the Cannes and Berlin Film Festivals. And, uh, you know, other commercial, more commercial, less experimental, uh, experimental movies followed, such as, such as Advent- Adventure in Denmark from 1973. Oh. So uh, I have a feeling that there was a Danish 
blonde actress in a couple of Shaw Brothers movies. I think she's like I I, I might might mispronounce her name, but she she was in a movie called Girl Gang from the same time, a Birte Tove or Birte Nove. And uh, I have a feeling that they roped her in for a venture in Denmark. It fits the timeline. So that was uh, probably a, a nice little, hopefully fun, erotic adventure shot uh, possibly in Denmark. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> adventure in Denmark on the Shaw Brothers lot. <laughs> he did return to Shaw Brothers for a stint as director, as we uh, will talk of with Girl with the Long Hair. But later on in the 90s, his movie Temptation Summary was the first Category 3 picture to surpass the 10 million Hong Kong dollar box office uh, box office level, so uh, he was um, he was groundbreaking in that regard. And its sequel and the Veronica Yip sex film Hidden Desire from uh, both from 1991 were less enthusiastically received. And you know maybe people thought films of category three were rubbish, Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was it. And uh, Hidden Desire didn't really deserve uh, much praise or box office, as we talked of during the Christmas episode. It's quite a visually (laughs) gorgeous movie, but that's about it. It's pretty damn bad, actually, and uh, pretty damn dark. Uh, Like, the darkness is not deserved in that one, let's just say that. But um, during his 70s and throughout the 80s and 90s period, there's a there's a different amount of movies there, but a lot of fun comedy to be had, uh, even though so, some of those movies were more low profile. Uh, so uh, I also attached uh, to that that I think he was a wonderful comedy director. But the whole fun then uh, relocated to America and... Uh, uh, directed his last movie in Taiwan in 1997. And uh, as we've hinted at, uh, obviously, and at... Uh, 84 years of age, he passed away from pneumonia on Sunday the 19th uh, of June 2016 in San Jose, California. And uh, news that was shared by Themes Plus Projects, which is a San Francisco-based exhibitor that had frequently worked with Ho Fan, uh, like exhibiting his photographs and things like that. Three of his films were officially selected for uh, the International Film Festival in Cannes. Five of his films are in the permanent collection of the National Archives in Taiwan and Hong Kong. And, uh, you know, especially when you read up on him, uh, you know, post his uh, passing and all of that, there was clearly more to him than meets the eye. You know, this wasn't just a director of, uh, you know, cheap smut. No. The films may be obscure, that's part of the problem, and, and some of them were very cheap. Not all of them are good, believe me, not all of them are good. But some of them are held in high regard, just like his photography, and the film wasn't his shameful career or anything. It was an extension of his eye, in my opinion. So um, I think that's uh, that, that puts a period on quite a versatile and uh, accomplished career. But uh, that's how fun in terms of his career. And now let's talk of one of his movies, and I'll throw over to Joshua to share his and uh, your brief opinion that is of girl with the long hair which you haven't seen before so i assume so it was a new experience so in short what did you think bat shit kooky fun kooky kooky fun <laughs> la 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 <laughs> kooky is uh you know it's an apt word it's a funny goofy weird word that describes this movie's tone i think Misadventures in Fooling only a couple of decades earlier we usually watch these movies as made in the 90s Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it definitely fits in with that tone. And uh, I don't know, it's also beautifully made, like, uh, you know, really took advantage of uh, the sets, the locations, so much fucking beautiful color in the movie. Mm-hmm. It looks great. And it has a really, 
<laughs> a shit ball of a lead who <laughs> goes into doing some really nasty stuff at the end. You got a twist ending. It's uh, you know, it has its moments of you know, like I can see people being upset with the twist. Maybe I wasn't. One part of the ending which we might spoil is very deserved and very, very like, oh my god, wow. And one <laughs> makes you think like. Because this is the moral that's needed in these movies. Right. Did the person really learn anything from all of this? And right. that 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 might be up in the air if he really did learn anything from this. Because neither of these movies we watch, like I Love Miss Fox, Secret Lover, uh, Wild at Heart, whole fans movie, they, they're not supposed to be like, hey guys, cheating is fun. Right. You know, no, they're, they're, they're all shitballs, as you said. That's a perfect like word for it. Absolutely. You would hope they wouldn't take that away from the movie. But no, 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 not at all. Sometimes you watch these and you're like, man, is that the point of the movie? You know, but uh, I do think that the twist and, uh, you know, ultimately the come up and some things that happen, it works for this movie. And uh, I very much agree. Uh, whole fun delivers comedic shtick while uh, portraying the male weak race like the horny uncontrollable dogs they are and we kind of are uh, not all of us are this shitty right it doesn't feel as much of an exploitation movie therefore but clearly the long lasting like image of dana you know is there for the boys to enjoy but um but uh, i have some notes on her character uh whether she if it's a good portrayal or not and uh, dubious moral of the story uh, i agree uh, but an accomplished visual package and it's a bit of a signature movie i think if you want to point to a whole fan at uh, some of his uh, sexy wacky visually best i think girl with long hair is uh, is up there yeah do you think though if um you know you've seen a couple of movies and you sort of extract extracted even amidst the whole comedy that uh, this is visually accomplished do you think um, at all it's show offy or is it fun visual playtime that combines well with the comedy and the wacky uh, wacky nature of it all Oh, man, it's hard to say because, I mean, there are moments in it. Like, there's a sequence in the film where uh, the main character, Richard, is invited, you know, by his dream girl to come to, uh, was it the Roman Empire? Like a bar? I don't know what the fuck it is. Like the sex dungeon thing? No, no, no. The um, It's like he shows up there briefly. It's like a, a three shots comprise this whole segment. Mm-hmm. She's like, meet me at the Roman Empire. Then it shows him, he watches as a literal man in a toga walks by and he goes, Roman Empire. And then, but then like the shot is just an excuse to have like this nice dolly that, uh, comes and shows all these different, uh, Romanesque architecture, you know, where we get this really beautiful shot of like a, you know, you can see through these pillars and see the background, the foreground, the middle ground, everything's all with the main character in frame. It's beautifully well done, but at the same time, it's like he just threw that in there because he saw this this uh, great location. So he's like, "This looks Roman. Let's call it something," you know, because it doesn't look like a bar. It doesn't look like anything any remote area where people would actually meet. You just see a guy in a toga walk by, you know. But maybe those are like select moments that okay, a little bit show offy, but uh, I've never gotten the impression that you sort of. Uh, feel that this is a way too pretentious arty director just wants yeah, to be pretty yeah he, he does have you know sequences in the film that he is just trying to make something pretty but i mean he's he's obviously an artist who's making uh, a movie about cheesecake you know so i mean he's got to make it fun for him too it entertains both sides of the audience you know 
those who are just there for the boobies and those who would like to see something a little more. So to me, it works. Yeah, I think also the sky's the limit in terms of visuals a little bit when you're using surreal comedy in and wacky but also part surreal comedy in this one. So there is an argument to sort of ramp up the, the visuals and use intense zoom-ins and have like a fire reflecting uh, Richard's eyes when he's in the sex dungeon and stuff like that. But uh, I've, I've never really uh, gotten uh, that impression that whole fun is overdoing it. There is a Latin movie called uh, The Sichuan concubines which is very abstract and arty but has such still a very enticing atmosphere very erotic atmosphere i quite like that movie and i shouldn't because i did test art films i really do mostly because i'm too dumb for it (laughs) i don't get this Uh, but there was the boobies well there were some but uh it's quite a serious movie we 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 might do it for the show but um that was in 1994 so he was still uh on his own game a game but of course initially you know Wei Wang can't help turning his head when uh, you know where Dana enters the frame you know because she's such a dream so he he is that uh, low life husband that just goes like like when the song plays <laughs> but she, she has that effect and cinematically it's shot in that very foggy soft focus kind of way and the la 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 theme these are men in a nutshell, I guess, that must stop and comment. Like, he doesn't. And I didn't realize at the time that his wife was uh, blind uh, initially. But, <laughs> I know, uh, right? So uh, it was like, shit, she's right there, dude. But uh, no, he's, uh, he, is what, he is what it is. And certainly Henry Yu's character is who he is as well, because he uh, comments on uh, Richard's wife, the Terry Liu character. You know, uh, like, look at her. Like, whoa. Like, her butt is a bit tiny, but she has a good body. And Richard is this kind of pushover. Like, no, 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 that's my wife. You know, he's not this, like, hey, it's my wife you're talking about, my friend, mister. So, he doesn't reprimand his uh, friend. uh, But uh, you realize, like, what a dick he is. He's going to hell when you realize she is blind as well. And that's like, no, 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 dude, dude. Their, Their marriage is certainly not cold either, right? It seems like he's got a pretty good thing going there you know she's a good wife you know good wife very sexual wife as well very beautiful wife so it's not like he's stuck with her right always a trip when you have stuff like that going on in these movies like you know gorgeous wives who are sometimes you know better looking than the women that they're going after you know and you know it also shows kind of like where their minds are there's there's a sequence later in the movie where uh the main character where richard's like outside of you know his love interest uh her apartment and he's basically debating about whether he's gonna go in and fool around with her blah 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 then you have uh his buddy outside with a girlfriend and the girlfriend i think is like go ahead fool around everybody does it it's fine it's no big deal you know and she can go and fool around talking about his wife you know yeah she can go and find uh screw a guy it'll be okay you know but that's their mentality i think is just like you know whatever it's pretty horrible i mean i i don't don't agree with any of this uh that's right. like uh, just to state the obvious i guess but uh um i i love little uh visual surprises that hofan has so you realize that he is making a comedy here is he's cranking energy every energy every now and again mm-hmm. the the first session of uh whoring that uh that henry Hughes character drags richard to 
you know, when they're, they're looking at the two prostitutes, and Richard is still a bit hesitant. He still goes, mind you, what a dick. Right. But uh, then Hofan <laughs> quickly cuts to him seeing his wife instead, where she's wearing panties made out of money, and then she pulls out a machine gun. <laughs> like like that, that like like boom boom da 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 da. da. So yeah, I I love those little um you know dips into fantasy and uh, the, 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 there's a couple of things like that in U Point Sand too as well that uh, are made for more serious purposes. But uh, it shows here that he he can crank uh, crank like uh, wackiness and uh, sort of surreal a surreal comedy nature to emphasize the fact that. Oh, maybe he's a bit torn, or maybe he is a dick, you know. And uh, he's gonna get his, including like being gunned with a machine, gunned down <laughs> with a machine gun. Possibly, <laughs> maybe that's that's it. But uh, like based on what you've seen, uh, you know, you've seen one or two sort of say serious whole fun movies. Do, do you think this was his best mixture? Do you think he felt more comfortable doing visuals and comedy, or uh, do you think there's a case for visuals and a serious nature in his cinema too? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to say he couldn't have done anything that he would, you know, wanted to do. But I do think that uh, in a lot of ways, this is a better Hong Kong comedy or better sex comedy than, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff I think we cover. Even though with this one, the characters are just as kind of unlikable in certain ways. I think that uh, the broad mix, the come up and the way things are kind of twisted around narratively plus the visual substance of the movie. I think it all kind of gels together and makes something really, really fun, really interesting. And it is also a decently enough sensual movie because the sex right. scene with uh, Wei Wang and Terry Liu as they're standing in their hotel rooms and backlit through the curtain. You know, it, it, that's decent decent enough eroticism that leads to <laughs> the, 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 some wacky comedy because it's slow first and sensual and then like the door, oh, yeah. the bellboy comes in, not once but twice so you're gonna get a barrage of uh, gotta get the dick soft before you answer the door type of comedy here. <laughs> and then uh, I like the editing in it too where it's kind of like choppy editing and it goes kind of with the music uh, it's kind of a hard little rock soundtrack going on as as our character has to like jumble to the door while staring at his penis underneath his uh, towel. Where yep. he's just like, oh man, I can't believe I have to waste this erection. God, you know, like go playing it big time. And they also, when he does, like, when, when the fan, finally the bellboy has uh, left a complimentary, uh, like, champagne or uh, complimentary, like, meal or whatever, he rushes into the sex scene again, and now the scene isn't slow anymore. The scene is undercranked, and the, end, and the music is sped up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he needs to go to the door again because he rings a second time, and uh, it's, yeah, I, I love that choice because... You'd think that would be his thinking, like, oh man, like, like okay, I gotta get in there again. I'm so, like, I gotta do it now. And, uh, uh, so he's not into, like, slowing down the energy again. <clears throat> like, Robin, now, now he's just gonna get it over with, seemingly. So, uh, so I like that. It has the right energy about it. Uh, Going back to the well with that joke twice, you know, the first time you get, I forget what it was. Was it? Uh, it wasn't food. The second one was food. The first one was some kind of want, no champagne. Yeah, champagne. The first one, and then they brought the food or whatever. The second time, yeah, it, going back and doing the same joke kind of over again or whatever. Kind of 
different for the time. You know, you see that people do that a lot these days of like recurrent gags over and over again. Just do it until it's annoyingly funny. And yeah, uh, I think like, that it's a, it's a similar thing and it, it works in this sequence, you know. Two times is quite uh, quite wonderful. A third or fourth time in this case might have been uh, too much. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Especially since, I mean, the sequence we're talking about is probably a good, what do you think, like four minutes, five minutes? It's, it takes up a decent amount of time. It's it's commitment to the gag. Yeah, indeed. And I think it uh, very much works uh, because of the sort of... Uh, visual audio sort of onslaught uh, here but we get uh, we get more uh, a more bigger emergence of uh, of Dana playing the character of Dana Dana <laughs> she is one gorgeous woman and i uh, shot beautifully you know in every scene really i mean uh, that's there's no nothing to complain about that you know she, the camera loves her really that's the old saying but uh, she really does uh, in in the case of like when Ho Fan is shooting her, and Ho Fan, by the way, is credited as being the second cinematographer on the film as well, so he, he was uh, in charge, uh, like uh, co in charge of that. But uh, you wonder though, like if, if you presume this is all reality, what kind of character is she? You know, is she one that just uh, wants to control men, and that's pretty easy to do, as it turns out, because there's no like you can have easy power over men. He just using your sexuality like she does. Uh, Especially Hong Kong men who uh, are apparently frequently visit this hotel because it's well known to be a hot spot for chicks or something. What do you think about it? Do, do you think she uh, like because she she's not just like posing. She's not just a uh, like in model type of shots. She's she's in the movie throughout both to be you know naked but also to be part of the comedy. Without spoiling it, no, knowing kind of how, what character she is or possibly isn't, what do you think of her? Do you think she's well used or because or just eye candy? You know, I think it's interesting and it's hard to talk about her without spoiling it because I mean, when you really start dissecting her scenes and such, I'm just gonna go ahead and say we get more of her after the milk sequence, and that's where we kind of get to know the most about her. You know, that's really not her the character so i mean i find she is basically a muse for the story or like she's basically kind of used to progress the plot she's a general type of sex symbol but you know within the confines and the rules of the film that's 100 percent correct you know i think that uh we don't really get to know her character but you kind of we have a reason that we don't get to know her character. Yeah, but but also at the same time, she seems to be enjoy playing with men that oh, she, yeah. she she just knows what their deal is. So why not have some fun mm-hmm. with their dick nature? You know, asshole nature. <laughs> you know, sleazeball nature. Because uh, you know, at the at one point, she's very like, uh, oh, like carry me to the bed. No, don't do that. And the, the, you know, she's very like, don't. But at the same time, she's inviting all of this. And at one right. point, she has a chastity belt on which <sighs> which seems to be a real thing so she seems to just like oh you gotta work for your pussy man essentially That's <laughs> and i guess i mean she, she's there for the boys you know uh, in terms of the cinema going audience but i think she's at least like the way they write the whole like she, she, she is obviously a fantasy in a way but the, 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 there's a certain little arc there that means she's not just there to take of her clothes. Uh, she's there to sort of emphasize that this isn't sympathetic behavior 
on the behalf of the men in this movie. Mm. So I think that, like, that balance is quite carefully struck. And uh, I think she, she does decently when she's part of the sort of wacky hiding from the boyfriend type of humor and then making it more <laughs> difficult for Richard uh, also in a way. Like she seems to enjoy it. Uh, I, I guess also if you compare it to the 90s, it's it's seventies wacky, all right, and quite energetic. But it's I think some audience will will find it a little bit slow, despite us thinking it's quite cartoony. Uh, but it's it sort of the joke seems a bit slower, but it's still good fun and some cheesy sort of yeah. They don't the Richard and his friend are not wearing swimming trunks and they need to go back to the hotel. What are they gonna do? They're gonna hide behind trolleys and shit. You know? <laughs> Waka, waka, waka. And of course, he runs into a waiter who spills all the contents of what he's carrying. Like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's not necessarily great comedy, but uh, it, it sort of fits within the context of this movie, I guess. But uh, uh, it, it's interesting to think of his 90s movies versus the 70s and how the sort of waka waka and energy is a little bit different. But. Certainly, he cranks things as well, as we've said. You know, cranks music and cranks the film speeds and all of that. So, uh, I think just some minor highlights are in the next in my notes in terms of highlights in terms of when he shoots Dana. And I guess like the prime scene must be when she's sunbathing on those rocks. what doesn't look like comfortable rocks to lie on. <laughs> but. It features, you know, I mean, she looks like definitely like a goddess there, you know. I mean, she's covered in suntan oil. She, you know, looks amazing. And then there's a great shot where they, uh, she arches her leg up kind of. And we, the camera kind of zooms in through the leg as we see Richard on the other side. So we're visualizing him through her, you know, open legs. Through the whole sequence, pretty much. Yeah, that uh, ref- that reference won't be lost on uh, anyone, uh, obviously, with the graduate and all of that. But uh, it, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's more of a distant shot, I would say, because uh, he's uh, out and about. But yeah, the gl- she just glimmers you know, beautifully with the with the sun hitting her, and the sun, you know the oil, she's all oiled up, obviously. But uh, it's just uh, wow, what an eye for uh, what an eye for this uh, woman, so to say. So. But uh, I like the little scene in the... Um, we we see this in so many movies, man, where men, they're so horned up that their vision changes to their fantasy instead, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and you see that in the bathroom scene, you know, where he walks into the bathroom and he sees Dana, but it's his wife instead. It, I mean, it's pretty bad when you're so horny that you're hallucinating. You might need to go see a doctor. And I love that he, he jumps into the bath and then she says, oh, I need to b- get on top. And it just sort of fails for him because now he's underwater. <laughs> <laughs> like, so this goofy attempt at bath sex just fails. So. And then he, like the next sequence, he's so sexually frustrated that he when he sees these, these phallic looking pole things along the road. He's punching them. Yeah, he's punching them and also kind of humping them a little bit. You know, yeah, he, a little bit. <laughs> it makes a little thrusting motion to it. Like, <clears throat> so yeah, it's it, it's all part of the fun. It's quite part, very part, bizarre. Very bizarre. I've never been that to that level. You know, that's no. uh, that's movie level. If anything, I hope anyway. <laughs> Doesn't happen to me very often. Jesus Christ. 
Uh, we got two 70s bros peeping under the door at the same time as two other characters do. Two Western middle-aged men, granted, but... Uh, Say, bro, let me take a look under that door! We want to watch too, bro. <laughs> and they're not looking through the keyhole. Like they're, they're trying to sneak a peek from under the door, you know, to, to, to look at feet, essentially. That, that's, uh, that's their aim. That's my door, man! <laughs> <laughs> And then it's like, uh, oh, he knows Chinese Kung Fu. Henry Yu does some like, and then, oh, you know Chinese Kung Fu. Like, oh, 270s bros. Uh, in yeah, this, so. it's amazing that they're trying to look under the door and then there's a you know per- perfectly good ass right in front of them. They have uh, Henry Yu's girlfriend is, you know, on hands and knees looking under the door too. And one of them actually bumps his head into it. Let's look past this to see if there's some toes down there that are slightly more interesting. Or half of a toe. <laughs> so everyone, everyone's so desperate, and uh, yeah, that's uh, I have no argument against that. You know, I think uh, you know, in reality, men can be pretty sleazy. So uh, turn on yeah. the TV, man. <laughs> turn it on. <laughs> like uh, Gates of Hell took it all from girl with long hair in a very indirect way. <laughs> But, but yeah, like uh, also the point of over visualizing and over stylizing Dana is a little hint to the viewer. You know, it's it's all obviously from Richard as Richard's askew point of view, but it's it's sort of a hint in terms of what's going to happen at the end of the movie. Why she is this over overly stylized in terms of sh- uh, how she's shot, which I think is is quite a valid choice. Uh, like yeah, we we get you know. You know, the gorgeous shots aren't necessarily about her being undressed. You know what I mean? Because uh, it, it's, still, it's still gorgeous when she shoots her in her bikini and things like that. So that's not uh, all that Dana brings, you know. Just because she gets nude, that's where our approval lies. No, 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 not at all. I think, uh, you know, it works all throughout. Well, some, some further highlights, it seems like my notes are a bit unorganized, but further highlights anyway. Because, okay, men are... Men are pricks, and god damn it, Richard, he's gonna drug his wife <laughs> in order to leave to whore, essentially. I mean, because his wife needs sleeping pills, so he just puts like tons of them in the milk. And uh, like, I think I counted about six instead of like the normal one sleeping pill, like, puts like six because the girl wants to meet him at like 8 a.m. in the morning or something like that. I, I love the thing when, <laughs> when he because he drinks it, of course, he drinks it. <laughs> <laughs> and he puts on the jacket the wrong way around he's got his towel around his ankle and just drops like a brick a sack of potatoes some great comedic acting right there it needs a a game male actor and obviously we get that with uh, with uh, Wei Wang because you, you need to drop your sort of uh, vanity and your ego if you're gonna go into a role like this because it it's it wasn't it's never about unless you're very askew in your thinking about this fantastic guy or anything. So you know you know we get these we have these examples throughout these movies. You know we got him now, Lee Chung Ling in the, I Love Miss Fox, and certainly Xing Feiyun in Secret Lover, and uh, obviously the guys in Wild at Heart. Uh, so it needs to be that, and I don't know, man. It it could be difficult to find sometimes like the right actor for these kind of things because it's about you know we're gonna de- we're gonna depict you like this you know you're cool with that and i i don't know i know enough about men that some are a bit frail in their thinking like no no like, I'm, I'm awesome I'm not, I'm not gonna be portrayed like this no man 
Everything go back to the gates of hell. Yeah, yeah, well, it should, it should. What do you think of the little um, side plot for a couple of sequences about the other guy bedding his uh, his chosen woman, the guy who drinks uh, like the eggs and uh, shit like that? To, to <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of that? Because that, that, you know, we talked about like jokes going on repeat. Here's a joke that repeats about four times. Let's go ahead and, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and spoil the movie, I think. Oh, yeah, whatever. Go ahead. Everything that takes place basically after the sequence where he, uh, uh, you know, basically poisons himself with the sleeping pills. Yeah. Everything else that takes place after it is all a dream. Yep. And the whole sequence with the guy who's like, you know, drinking eggs mixed with, uh, I don't know what that black stuff is he pours into his drink. All that stuff is, that's all a dream. It's all his dream. He's dreaming these gags. Other guys. Other gags. He's dreaming gags. Fantastic. He's dreaming about a man who takes this elixir to get an erection and then go every time goes to like lay down with his wife. And then Richard is seen on the balcony because he's sneaking between rooms to get to uh, Dana's room. And uh, she always goes, go find out if there's someone out there. And he goes, and by the time he gets back to bed, womp, 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 his penis is flaccid. He's so bummed each time. It's, I know. <laughs> because it seems like such a short-lived effect, drinking right. all that egg, uh, all those eggs and uh, like cognac or brandy or some shit like that, and, and some other things that he puts into it as well, so... It's primitive Viagra, I suppose, that uh, that uh, is only good for a couple of seconds. Maybe that would be good enough for him. I'll be honest with you. I thought it was like eggs and uh, soy sauce. It's what it looked like. Like a big bottle of soy sauce. But but do you think that gag worked on for for repetitive purposes? Like for me, it, it, for me, four times was like, like it was it, it was funny. This is some of the subtitles were like funny. Like what are you crazy? Like again? So they they really like come on, <laughs> come on every time. Uh, but but there's no variation of it. Uh, it's right. just the same thing all over again. Uh, the the only variation is the fact that he drinks more of the stuff. I think it, I think it wears thin a little bit. I think uh, the once him going down and then him going up, I think that would have been fine. That was sufficient. I think uh, the kind of got a little too much to be uh, humorous. But uh, within a fairly successful film, that's obviously not uh, something that ruins everything. No. No. And I love Richard is confident as fuck after he's had fir- finally had sex with uh, Dana and, uh, right. and, and opened the chastity belt. I love that. that <laughs> She throws away the key like, no! <laughs> and she plays with him, you know, and then now you gotta work for it, man. You gotta work for it. So yeah. he uses the uh, bottle opener or the, um, uh, the unscrew thing. Mm-hmm. So he's so manic at that point. <laughs> and his confidence is shown in the fact that like uh, whenever the boss shows up He's willing to go out, like, first of all, sneak underneath the table. Like, I say boss, I'm talking about uh, Dana's boss boyfriend, who's also a mob guy, apparently. And uh, he has the confidence to sneak out of the room while underneath the table. She distracts him, etc. But then he goes outside, dresses like what looks like a busboy, and comes out and he's, you know, has his buddy and they do a little have a little plan where they sit there and start talking about, oh, there's some lady on the second floor says she's looking for so-and-so, the boss's name. You know, she looks really pissed off. I don't know what's going on, but she's heading this way. So they're like, oh, it must be his wife. Let's get him out of here, you know. 
for him to go from the you know wimpy little guy at the beginning to this you know now I'm kind of cocky and I'm gonna you know try to get this out of here just so I can have sex with her again. But 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 yet he get, he gets to work for it because uh, he's when you're that horned up you do anything including just essentially fucking a pane of glass. Just right. <laughs> and he looks so so disgusting doing that. Just pushing himself and his uh, mouth and his tongue all over the glass. <laughs> and, uh, and and Dana and Dana enjoys that. And we get a little. You, you know, it shows how fun is having fun with it. Let's not shoot like all the sex scenes the same way or in a boring way. So one sex scene or the beginning of one is shot. Just uh, we just see uh, a pair of feet uh, on top of the bed while they're on the floor. So you know, there, there's some there's some things. You know, variation there and uh, and subtle cutaways to uh, to uh, you know fountain water <laughs> and things like that, <laughs> showing you know completion. But uh, at, uh, but symbolism, man, symbolism, George. Right? God damn it! <laughs> and then ultimately everything goes to shit because uh, none of this means anything because it was all a dream. That's what I think might bother some people watching it. That that ending of oh it was all a dream because i know that bugs a lot of people and it's considered a weak way out but i think it provides a a way for the character to learn his lesson without you know actually having to have his penis mutilated but but also it's a bit too tiny bit too simplistic for the movie it's sort of like hey i've learned something now and he tell like tells his friend this is what you should do and i guess that's fine I, i i mean I like the um, retribution that the Henry Yu character gets instead, which is so violent, really. <laughs> <laughs> like after a movie of like you know playful, uh, you know cavorting. Because he he's gonna go on like he's gonna go on like, like the subtitle says says like fe- I'm I'm gonna feel the love and feel the experiment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And then he trips into this uh, Cupid's arrow statue, and the arrow just hits his cock, and that's the ending. <laughs> They've been showing how sharp that neat uh, arrow is through the whole movie, too. So, you know, it's a really good payoff. So, so I, I think I like it better when there's, there's, it's essentially two two endings here. One learned, one didn't, and that's what's going to happen. That's what Satan is going to do to you. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to burn in hell, kitties. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's a great ending just because th- that's the sort of this was a Shaw Brothers production ending card we get. You know what I mean? Like, whoa! <laughs> hey, the end. So yeah, I, I there's no real, real, real complaints here. I think um, for some viewers it might feel a little bit slow because it's uh, it's a '70s style of cartoony comedic shenanigans, but it's it's certainly not uh, you know still or anything. You know, he uh, he ramps up sort of visuals and. How he uses the camera and the uh, and how the comedy plays out has a certain frequency to it, so it's not uh, you know like a slow Bergman film where everybody's sitting still and uh, you know barely talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is a lot like The Seventh Seal in a lot of ways. That movie had chess. This movie has sex. <laughs> Kind of, it doesn't rhyme. It's chess and I sex. Mean, chess. Oh, okay, wait, wait. I got chess. It. I got it, I got it. And she bears her chest. Nah, beat me to it, you son of a bitch. <laughs> it's where I was going with it. <laughs> Bastard. 
Ah, well, well, well. So I'm glad you're satisfied, Joshua, with it. And uh, don't do any of this, okay? Oh, no, no, I'm good. Like, uh, go to Thailand, yeah, that's fine. But don't... I don't want to be impaled on a Cupid sign or anything like that, you know? Misadventures in Falling uh, seems we hit on only good movies of that kind you know they seem to be good they seem to be thinking all right i mean wild at heart the guy falls off a roof at the end and doesn't learn anything while he's falling off the roof because he sees a woman while he's falling down like hey she looks good (laughs) (laughs) and he dies so that's uh that's how you're gonna go how you're gonna go about it but uh, i'm glad you could make these movies fun in the 90s as well so as for availability this was remastered by celestial for dvd and vcd release in hong kong being a shaw brothers movie it is uh, was out of print for a while but yes asia lists the dvd as being in stock but it's available within 7 to 14 days currently so hopefully that means they'll get stock but uh, but yeah it was put out on dvd and remastered and all of that so look for it and hopefully you can get a good deal on it so that's it for now. Misadventures in fooling in the modern era done, and uh, we, we're certainly going to turn to a variation of that, but more connected to the sex and zen morals and morals of the story. Into and that happens in you points and two. And why we're we not doing one? Well, well, we'll kind of explain that as we get into the second review. But uh, flash forward to 1987 and uh, post his Shaw Brothers days. But uh, we'll talk of if his eye for erotica was uh, was still good in 1987 so uh, we'll see you after the break And welcome back in the second review of this, uh, like raising our glass to the recently passed away Hofan type of episode is the review of You Poitsen 2 from 1987 and plot from my review of the film. Basically, the story of an asshole. So, <laughs> on Front Street, <laughs> the character yeah. of Mei Jung Sun, played by fucking you himself, Dennis Tang. Oh. That's uh, him from that movie who wanted to make artistic uh, from that movie. Temptation Summary 2, we're talking about he has a bit part in that where he stands up at the press conference proclaiming that, to me, films of Category 3 are rubbish. <laughs> That's the subtitle. And he wants to make artistic... <laughs> and he wants to make artistic ones. And in the movie, the artistic Category 3 movie just flops like crazy. No one wants to see that shit. So, so yeah, that's Dennis Tang. Yeah, so he plays Mei Jung Sun, and he looks to become a Buddhist, but isn't willing to give up worldly pleasures or sticking to just one woman. Not yet, anyway. Yeah, so despite marrying, he leaves his bride, Yuk Chang, behind to pursue sexual exploits elsewhere. Arriving at a town where the women have greater demands that Mei can't currently physically provide. A little surgery will take care of that. All while Yuk Chang, the wife, long for someone to hold. But after Mei, our asshole character, has taken away the wife of Quan, played by Sun Chen, which is uh, Scorpion from The Five Venoms. So he's a Shaw Brother star as well. I saw, I saw him and I was just kind of... Especially when he took his shirt off in the movie. I, I was That's like, him. Got really? it. Scorpion. Scorpion. Totally Scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yep. So he's a, you can either see him in like film arc stuff, you know, um, he's in like the robe of vampire and the vampire is alive. So he, you know, he got around working actor. Uh, but, uh, when May has taken away, away the wife of uh, his character, Quan, he plans revenge by going to May's territory and claiming and destroying his wife. So it's that kind of thing. Uh, a little bit of background, a little short info from other shows, uh, because it's important to connect U.2 and Sex and Sam, because they are in fact the same story, adapted for the screen, uh, loosely based on the 1657 novel The Carnal Prayer Mat, which is an infamous Chinese erotic novel by author and playwright Li Yu. This was banned for its erotic depiction, and uh, the movie's... Uh, Discussed here also depicts, uh, you know, these uh, similar facets of the stories, but they do it in a different type of mood. Six and Sam is more comedic. Yupoitsen is more stoic and serious with some dips into some more light stuff, but uh, they're very far apart in terms of uh, how they go about their uh, their business. And as for the, there's a little bit of title confusion going on with the, this movie. This is Yupoitsen 2. But if you have the same print we're watching, there's no two on screen. It is the second 1987 movie, uh, but this is the re-release print from the 90s, around about 1996. So I've never seen you, Poitzen 1, and I don't know of its angle, like its story. If it's this story again, Connor Premat again, who knows? But the third movie, not directed by Whole Fun, is a 1996 comedy starring Elvis Choi. And it quite amusingly parodies Stephen Chow's excellent movie Forbidden City Cop, which is a period comedy. And Elvis Choi, in like a funny, stressed out performance, is Agent Triple Zero, who is uh, sent uh, because it's kind of a James Bond parody, Forbidden City Cop. And so he, here is uh, Angel, Agent Triple Zero, who is sent undercover into a brothel in order to reveal the dirty and illegal shenanigans within it. So it's it's a funny thing, you point sen. I don't know what the term you point sen means, like like or what the word means at all. But that's what it says in English letters. So, but that was the short background. Let me hand it over to you this time around for your quick opinion of you point sen two. If I could put it in uh, two words, dick surgery. <laughs> okay, well, <that's... laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, I actually enjoyed the movie quite a bit. But the you know, dick surgery. I'm yeah, but, but, but dick surgery. I'll, I'll stick into that. That's that's, probably, that's pretty <laughs> much all I want to say, really. What else can I say to make somebody see the movie? Well, it, it's uh, well, we'll talk of it, of course. But um, did, did you ever see Sex and Zen, the 1991 movie, at one point? You remember that? Yeah. Okay, so you remember that was pretty wacky. Pretty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this uh, this is the same, totally the same, but merely partly wacky. So did you like that? That it was. Pretty damn serious and sad at some points. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the, the the serious stuff to me was a little bit hard to take serious, uh, especially like are you talking mostly at the finale? Yeah, yeah, the last uh, twenty thirty minutes of the movie really like becomes the dick punching sort of uh, sort of portion of the movie. Yeah, yeah the dick punching. Uh, I like the dick punching a lot. <laughs> you know, it didn't punch my dick like. Okay, if it was punching my dick, it was punching it with like uh, maybe like some feathers attached to the end of it, you know? Like it, it wasn't the, – the punches weren't getting through. Yeah, it was really my question too. If, if it's valid to treat this story and seriously considering the penis uh, transplant content alone, like uh, is it a good fit to sort of be mostly serious? 
I don't think necessarily it's the fault of the two sides not working together or anything like that. I just think that it's the characterization that really, you know, makes it falter. It's hard to really care, especially about anything to do with the main character because he's a fucking dick. You know, I, to me, I, 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 it's hard for me to feel bad for him. I feel bad for the poor people who are caught, you know, in the midst of all this. But no more than I would for like a, a you know a stranger. I don't, I don't want to see bad things happen to anybody. You know. Well, well, well. That sort of answers my question. That the, it's it's not an ill fit necessarily where you were longing for like give me sex and sound wackiness. Mm. It's interesting to have these as comparison pieces. Uh, so so it is the serious sex and sound, which might feel odd and slow at times depending on the viewer you are because it takes its time. Yeah. People talk slowly and in a poetic way. Well, they use cock a lot. Like there's no yeah. other poetic word for cock in this movie. They just say cock a lot, um, but uh, and it's quite a dark and I, I think it's quite an affecting morality tale. Like like the last uh, back end of the movie, I felt really sad actually. Like the the people who caught was caught in the crossfire, so to say. But um, during the during um, during the course of the movie, Hofan provides some oh dear lord, some glorious visuals, both common visuals as we've seen in yes. these movies, but some are super creative and just well executed technically like you read about and uh, it starts early i mean uh, the our asshole dennis tag fucking you walking walking into something you know and he we see a long garment you know drape over a mirror and this uh, dreamy imagery of uh, of women you know and you wonder to yourself is is this how the character lives in his head women i see women all over the place and they totally want me <laughs> so you know you know, so you wanted to have to does he thinks he's desired you know is he all is it all in his head faceless women with you know no personalities just yeah. bodies yeah. kind of for him and this is our main protagonist folks it was the same in say you know he wasn't likable in sex and sam but the whole the old business was uh the whole deal of yeah. that movie it's a comedy so it's it's way more wacky you know, and I'm not saying I definitely followed with the movie, but yeah, he is a terrible guy. But the story, I think, is compelling enough to make you want to continue to sit through it. You know, I don't think you're going to get offended by anything. No, it, it's a it's a common morality tale, I suppose, which um, which which will be emphasized quite a lot by by the Buddhist monk and all of that. But uh, I was about to say the intro scene, which to me was uh, I don't you know, it's like okay, you got. The main protagonist meets with this Buddhist monk. The Buddhist monk's like, you know, you really can't, you know, go sleeping with other men's wives, you know. What's the story that, you know, if you rape another man's wife, you know, your wife will be raped? And, like, his logic, like, he hits this monk bat with this and the monk has no answer. He goes, yeah, but I'm single. So I don't have a wife to rape. And the, the Buddhist monk's like, you're, I can see you're very good at debating. <laughs> so I I just can't compare to that. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> oh well, you know it stops right there. You're right. If you don't have a wife, then there's nothing that can happen. And then what's that? What happens in the next scene? Basically, he goes and gets married. Within that sort of funny as like debating that the, for me there was serious enough questions like because he asks, what's wrong with lust? And the monk says like you can't fall, you know, victim to these carnal desires and all of that. And 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 I guess the counterpoint to all of this like. Where do you stop once you start? You know how how far, like how far can you go until it starts to turn on you? Which is a serious enough and decent question to ask 
within mostly a series movie. So I, I I could extract that and I enjoy that uh, enjoy that despite it being very on the nose as well. Um, and it's not really preaching as such, yeah, but uh, we know things are going to turn out bad, you know. And, th- and kind of thankfully they do because you don't want you know Dennis Tang's character to emerge as a winner at the end of the movie because of his attitude towards uh, towards any- uh, everything here. So as with the scholar in. Sex and Zen 91 and 3D Sex and Zen, it's just like all talk to, to bad women. You know, he, uh, like, I'll, I'll, to- I'll, I'll totally marry her and I want to settle down. It's all due to get, uh, he just wants to get laid. And a lot. You sort of think back to other scenes in the other movies because it, it's all very similar. And I'm thinking, uh, these must be staples of the book. Like this, uh, you, you see the wedding night is where he, uh, you know, bets this uh, virgin for the first time in Sex and Sen, it's Amy Yip, and then they start to get on. You know, there's a little, like, going good montage and all of that. So I'm thinking the carnal prayer mat must have these as, like, huge storytelling beats for this story, uh, considering three of the movies, you know, including 3D Sex and Sen, deals with uh, with this uh, content. But they are seemingly getting on, you know, these two. Uh, right. And the penis seems to work very well. <laughs> He's not a fast comer or anything. Like it seems to work perfectly well. Are you trying to say like the the opening sequence with him marrying the girl and everything? Yeah, you yeah, know? it's all going good. It's going pretty right. good. And we don't get any kind of internal monologue or anything like that with him saying, you know, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna leave town and go whoring, you know, or anything like that. He just kind of like proposes it to the father to you know he he needs to go and uh, take this test or something like that to become a. a equivalent of a state representative is or something like that you know so you you kind of give him the benefit of the doubt right i did at least i was watching and i'm like you know maybe maybe he's gonna do something else maybe he's not gonna become a whoremonger well he, he spent six months there in in the garden and uh having fun and fucking a lot so uh, yeah she was doing everything he wanted it's even hot a little bit heartbreaking when he leaves because she uh clearly cares for him Right. And uh, we'll miss him. And uh, but yes, then he meets a thief, and the thief is super cool in his eyes. He <laughs> is awesome, like a oh, rock star oh, oh, oh. to him. Because the thief, well, well, what he does, the thief, which he admires so much, is that some of the women he robs, they don't put up a fight. They like <laughs> when he robs them, so he likes that thought. Like, oh yeah, totally gonna do. It. I'm being, being, I'm being buds, best buds with this guy. <laughs> So yeah, like whatever goodwill he kind of built up for a few minutes, right down the toilets. Also, if you think of the visuals again, it's still a fairly low-budget movie. The interiors are glorious. Any interior he shoots, whether they are depicting an outdoor garden, uh, the temple in the beginning of the movie, and uh, he shoots them so well, he uses smoke to sort of you know amp up the atmosphere, and the camera does beautiful dollies to uh, just add, you know, some cinematic value to it all, plus these, you know, what turns out to be more haunting visions of, uh, as you said, faceless women, you know, he babes in women, but that's not not necessarily, you know, a good fantasy for, for him. But at the same time, anything shot outside of all this is very low budget. Uh, they got the costumes, right? But it clearly is very low budget. They even use stock shots of... Uh, you know, sunrises, even your stock shots of animals at one point. For me, it coexists. Uh, and, and also, it's quite fascinating how how well he can amp 
the visual splendor when working with fantasy and indoor locations. You know what I mean? Because that stuff is just top of the line elite stuff, in my opinion. Or, or what do you think when Hoffman gets to play within the sex scenes and the fantasy sequence? Uh, did that leave an, an effect on you? Oh, absolutely. He's uh, definitely on top of his game in this one. Uh, I like, I mean, I don't know, everything in it, like the use of color is still on point, despite obviously being on such a limited budget. But uh, the one thing sticking out in my head is like later shot where uh, I believe it's the estranged wife who's angered and sexually frustrated, tearing apart a pillow and throwing feathers up in the air. You know, it's kind of a typical type of thing to like let's show something beautiful. You know, it fits in the moment and it also just looks spectacular. Better than most that would uh, try to accomplish the same thing. Yeah, I, I really love love that stuff, and I, uh, or even the slightly funny scene where where he's uh, had a dose of reality. Uh, Dennis mm-hmm. Tank's character, where his uh, cock is not up to snuff. <laughs> the the thief asks very like, "May I measure measure your cock?" Yeah. And then he, he says like, "Well, this this won't do. You know, if you want to bed yeah. all the women in the world, this won't do." And the wonderful fantasy sequence, this you know, drops into has all the women surrounding Dennis Tang, all with rulers, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny as hell, but it's so beautifully done, man. Like, uh, this gl- drop into his psyche. Uh, and also when it's done, like, the editing is so, like, smooth because he it's almost like uh, uh, they used a, a couple of different camera moves to almost, or, like, the transition between fantasy and uh, into reality again is so smooth and clever it's not just a simple like cut here and then the new scene starts um which i really liked it a, a, a clever like you know in and out of the sequence uh, you remember from sex and sand 3d sex and sand the guy gets a huge wang it's so huge there's a problem in this movie that actually our good friend king who pointed out in when we did sex and sand we talked a little bit of this movie and he pointed out that the animal that they, uh, whose member they transplant onto the Dennis Tank character. It's not a big animal. No. <laughs> what, what is it, uh, Joshua? <laughs> if, if I'm correct, which I'm no zoologist. You're a cockologist. <laughs> no, or no cockologist. <laughs> From what I'm seeing, you know, it looks to me like uh, the characters sit there, they go out looking for an animal, which this movie doesn't point out like, what they're exactly doing at all just that there is a surgery to increase you know penis size they, they don't trap him in a big box and you no. don't see it cut off on screen or anything it's sort of a, a very a very slim down version of that right they they sit there and they go but they the character who's working for the surgeon or whatever goes out in the woods and finds what looks like a, am i correct here two porcupines fucking yeah, I mean, raccoon, porcupine, <laughs> I mean, it's that size, and I don't know anything about that. I haven't looked up their penis uh, sizes on Wikipedia or anything, but they're, they're pretty small animals, though. Here's what I thought, like, okay, I can't tell what they are. They didn't look like any raccoons I've seen, so I, I thought they were porcupines, because it kind of looked like they had quills. So I was like, okay, maybe there's something about horny, um, you know, porcupines... Maybe if you take the, the quills out of their, you know, or whatever you call that, the spines, whatever, maybe if they, they're going to stick that in his dick or something, and that's going to make him grow? 
because they never explain what they're doing. No, just it like, just it, it's a successful operation, man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, maybe they. Yeah, I don't know. I have no freaking clue. Surely they didn't use that animal's because that animal's penis is going to be presumably smaller. <laughs> right. I mean, they showed what they said his was, which looked like about three or four inches or something like that when they were showing the measurement. I don't think the animal's going to be that much more impressive. Maybe they combined. Their, no, no, but one was a female. Presumably, so they couldn't combine cocks. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's it's a puzzling thing. But hey, if it's a if it's a successful operation, if you say so, whole fun. Let's go on with the movie. And uh, we could write an essay about what we think happened to this man's penis. And it's also stock footage of animals, and so maybe they, they they had to deal with what they what they had. You know, what I mean, like it's not. Uh, if you have to go through the rest of the movie, imagining this man with like a weird little pink porcupine penis <laughs> you know it just it really i don't know it's it's too much to they, they, they never even they never they never do like uh, you never see it in shadow or anything like they never do a big scene like in sex and sin after lauren's mm. there's no hanzo the razor-esque photography going on here not at all not at all uh it's pretty like low-key uh low-key but uh like there's no scene where lauren's um is like in lightning storms and the whole room is blowing and the garments are blowing like <laughs> and his huge cock is underneath all his garments and all of that they don't do anything like that uh, here which is the difference between the six and of tables yeah exactly <laughs> no uh, he drops in some humor like uh, after this operation that we never really see we see him underneath a cloth and they they, they poke around a little bit and that's it so you cut to a guy saying nice cock <laughs> and and he's talking to a bird in a cage like wah, wah, wah. And it was not a chicken or anything like that. It's so, like, yeah, exactly. So they're, they're, he's pulling back his humor, clearly, uh, for by intent, I think, because we know a whole fan loves his cartoony humor. So, uh, But th- there are some dips into comedy further on, like misunderstandings, like he mistakenly has sex with his old woman, you know, because <laughs> he, he enters the room in the dark and she says, like, come here, I'm here, and he, you know. But he did want all the women in the world, man. I yeah. think he said at one point, I want to have sex with all the granted beautiful women in the world, but she wasn't that bad looking for all, for an old woman, to be honest. <laughs> Was that ever funny to you? Because he, well, could, And could you realize that he's clearly not like going for hugely energetic comedy as such? It's sort of downplayed to a degree, right? Or what did you think? No, I agree. I agree. It's not like... Uh... Not like too many waka waka moments, you know. There's like you said, like we're talking about. There's no giant horse cock or anything like that. The movie kind of just skips over what could be some of the most outrageous comedy and goes for something completely different. Yeah, there's no even Elvis Choi style character supporting character and his huge dong <laughs> like like right. in Sex and Sand or even Sex and Sand too. So you know, you never see the thief. Yeah, revealed in that regard. One thing slightly not bothered me, but it, it's it's interesting how we know he's a dick, we know he's an asshole, but all of the sex scenes, the the more successful sex scenes, are depicted in a very sensual, passionate way. You know, you have the scene where they have sex amidst the thread. You know, that's uh, the thread um, that she uses to like make carpets or whatever she's making. Uh, that that could clash if you talk about it that way. He's a dick, but why would you portray sex in a sensual way? And uh, I have no real good answer for that, other than I, I think they're gorgeous looking. I mean, uh, when they are rolling around amidst that thread, then the still of them lying together, still within the thread, post sex, 
it's 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 just beautiful. It's like a photograph of the Dardan, and uh, it's hard for me to complain about that stuff. You know, a lot of uh, great post coil stuff in this, like the the girl with the hay, the uh, sequence later in the film where uh, our character that goes for revenge against the husband, there's a, a, against the uh, yeah the dastardly main character. <laughs> Like they're, when he has sex with the woman and they're just kind of laying, I think, in the loft or whatever. Just great little shots, man. Just like a, a lot of beautiful stuff in this movie. The main one is the, the most sort of experimental big shot of the movie is when Ho Fan and his cinematographer takes us from viewing a couple and like 45 degrees onto another part of the room and him starting to shoot the mirror instead. And they're perfectly framed within the mirror. Looks Robert sounds so cheesy and dopey like yeah so what that sounds pretentious no Ho Fan knew how to sort of nail these moments and uh, it's 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 pretty damn spellbinding man yeah and you know it's actually the the whole sequence where they're having sex and we see from the wife's uh glasses that are sitting on the counter very similar uh shot very similar idea behind it so obviously just something that Ho Fan liked to do and and did did very well, and even throughout his career, as I said, uh, the that movie, the Sichuan Concubines from nineteen ninety four, it's his like next to last movie, and some of the stuff there is just still spellbinding and even haunting. There's like a haunting atmosphere there that may be hard to interpret because it's quite an arty movie, but uh, it's it it still showed that he had he, he knew how to shoot women well, pick women well for these kind of. Uh, uh, movies, but also to work with them well to make sure the eroticism came came through. Um, uh, but but you know the, the latter parts of the movie, are, you know they they are the darker ones. And um, after a while, because he's done so many horrible things, and that has ripple created ripples and created tragedy. And uh, for Sun Chen's character, his wife is bought from him, mm-hmm. so he you know he does. The logical thing for him, and that is to take out his revenge on his wife. Dramatically, it moves quite fast. It doesn't like linger on a lot of this stuff, but right. within the atmosphere and certain scenes that, mind you, are fairly melodramatic, but I think there's a very sad undercurrent that Ho Fan actually manages to nail despite the old penis content, as we said, <laughs> not transplant content, but latter part of the movie, like the twenty last twenty minutes where you realize that there's a reprehensible ball rolling here in terms of like reprehensible actions and how that affects further character just he continues to drive that nail in that this is a such a downward spiral and there will be those caught in that crossfire and it's not gonna be pretty i found myself feeling very sad for for the women in particular in, in this movie and uh you know, even during the very tragic uh, next-to-last scene, as you surely remember, before he returns to the monastery, uh, I, 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 I did find myself feeling very very sad, despite thinking, like, hmm, well, it's a Hong Kong movie, all right, but it still wasn't being waka-waka purely yeah. earlier. So th- there is an argument that I could agree with that this drama doesn't fit, but I, I still found myself feeling quite sad for, for uh, the characters caught in the crossfire myself. Right, and that's who you... The ones you do feel sorry for because the others are all kind of assholes. Well, certainly not sad for the male characters. I, I should state that. So. Uh, more sad for the female characters. And, uh, you know, the moral of the story is, you know, it's quite on the... Yeah, exactly. It's quite on the nose, you know, or, or on the dicks. 
<laughs> but within like the atmosphere that Hofan cho- chose us to conclude the movie with, which is uh, you know these very smoky and windy settings and uh, the tragedy, you know the tragedy in the brothel and all of that, it just sort of get, it gets to me, man. I mean, it's you know it's the aesthetic of it all, like the visual style of it all, plus that this story that we mostly have experienced you know in a comedic fashion actually can you can squeeze out something serious out of it because sex and zen ends the same way essentially <laughs> okay it's uh it's it's lawrence zoom doesn't walk away like on top of the world in that one either and uh certainly 3d sex and zen although it it depicts it um quite differently yeah but it's still like you know it goes from like i'm doing great then someone Talk shit about uh, talk shit about one character, and then he loses his cock. <laughs> <You know? laughs> because the three D sex and sin things was like it was like the oh, the motivation for the bad guy to do all these horrible things to the main character was just because he conveniently walked past the window when someone was saying bad things about him. <laughs> I get so that shit was crazy. <laughs> yeah. You talk mean about me. <laughs> Shut up, man. I'm mad about it, right? <laughs> so they they do they do punish us a little bit, but uh, what was your take on that? Did you feel like if you even if you extract those last few sequences that are the more more tragic sequences, was there anything dramatically sort of affecting there or just basic for you? To me, I don't know. It didn't hit me very hard, but you know, I was still just kind of upset. I guess at the main protagonist and such, you know, just like, well, you fucking kind of deserve this, you piece of shit. Not thinking about her side of things, but you know, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from, and I definitely uh, get that. You know, I think the atmosphere gets to me more that he just shoots these, like, like the whole trek back to the monastery, and with with all like wind and smoke and uh, and the sort of now uh, downbeat atmosphere. Yeah, I think that sticks to me a little bit. Like, those are images that sticks to me. Uh, stick to me. I think. Um, and 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 always have. I mean, I've seen this movie. I think three times uh, by now. So, uh, um, so yeah, I, I think uh, there, there there is a valid sort of tr- dramatic treatment of this. And I don't know if the Colonel Prey Matt is at all, if it at all feels ever so slightly comedic, despite probably writing about the the penis transplant too. And so it would be interesting to sometime know how the Colonel Prey Matt uh, does its thing in terms of mood. Will we ever read the book and review it here on the show? Obviously, if there's an English translation, I'm sure I could get through it. I'm just a, I'm a horrible reader in terms of I don't have patience to read nowadays. But I listen to a fair amount of audiobooks. It's just um, I, I, I lose concentration quite easily. Yeah. You've been a like nurse student, like that thing should be easy easy for you to like be glued to books, right? Well, it's like this. It's like it's hard to be glued to books whenever there's like a million YouTube videos I'd rather be watching, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard to like oh, I'd rather Let's be watching. Let's play it is. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's Saturday you know. night after all. <laughs> yeah. And I wouldn't blame you because let's play so let's play so fun. Uh, I have a question for you about Let's Play, but we'll do that after we're done with the review. Do you want to say anything else about you, Poitsen? No, solid stuff. Very entertaining, very uh, dramatically poignant, I guess, you know. And those visuals, I think, yeah, those dream sequences, I gather, stick with you a little bit more. Uh, I mean, like like that whole thing with the faceless women, and uh, it's quite like frantic. For this movie, it's quite frantic, as it just runs through those those faceless lines of women removes the mask, <gasps> removes another mask, <gasps> you know, it's the same one underneath. I think those are, 
I bet those sets looked super cheap in reality, but the way they capture it and the way they light it and uh, finally, obviously, uh, grade it uh, on on the film print, just uh, wow! Like it's uh, it's really spellbinding to me. And uh, what an eye he had for this. So even in those were wacky, you know, wild at heart, as wacky as that was, there are some very honed, stylish sequences in it. So you can see, okay, he's there, he's there. His comedy eye is there, and his visual eye is there as well. So. Uh, as for availability, this is a rare one. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, it never came out on DVD. And if you can find a CityMax Hong Kong Laserdisc, it is your best viewing option because it's letterboxed, and it's also subtitled. I have another one because I have that, and I have another one for, from Jumbo. Because I thought, like, maybe that's the first one. And, and I didn't see the cover art really specifically, because when you got it, you saw that, ah, that's ten- Dennis Tang, and Dennis Tang is not in the first one. But that was one was full screen and subtitled, and I believe a chunk of footage was missing towards the end. So if you can find a CityMax Laserdisc, which is pretty good quality, actually, you uh, I'd recommend that. But uh, it's a hard one to get, uh, unfortunately. And again, not trying to make it difficult for you, but I wanted to cover it for the sake of, you know, see, uh, you know sending out. The, the great uh, whole fun. But uh, before we announce the next show, I have a question about Let's Play for you. Do you like those Let's Plays that are just someone playing without commentary, or do you want the commentary to go along with it? Oh, I gotta have the commentary. A lot of times it's the personality, too. You know, like, uh, I watch a lot of, like, old Fallout New Vegas runs and stuff like that. Like, uh, there's a, you know, British gentleman named John, many a true nerd. You can find him on YouTube. I watch, a, like, a lot of his stuff. He plays Fallout, all the games pretty much, except for the original PCs. You know, I've watched him play Fallout 3 in New Vegas multiple times, but each time he goes for something different. And uh, his commentary, he always goes into the depths of what's happening within the game. Like, you know, oh, if I wear this outfit, it increases these stats. You know, mm-hmm. goes into the details of it, and I find that interesting not at all approaching PewDiePie style commentary, right? No. <laughs> Thankfully not, right? No, well, I'm not going to disrespect your countrymen. Well, I don't care. I don't like him. It's not for me, man. It's not for me, so that's no problem. You you can dismiss Bergman. You can dismiss Abba if you like. <laughs> no, I, I don't oh, care. No, 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 no. We're not going to disrespect Abba on this show, all right? It's all good. I'm, I'm probably I'm probably not the biggest fan. The problem with ABBA, you know what that is, right? The the limited like commercial radio stations here that claim like we play everything from the seventies, eighties, nineties, and the recent stuff. They all have one damn ABBA song in their catalog, and that goes on repeat. What is the most common one they play? Well, uh, I don't know. Uh, Winner takes it all, maybe. They, they don't play Waterloo. Strangely enough, strangely because we're a big like Eurovision country obviously and they don't play waterloo which is huh, strange but uh, that, that, that's a problem it goes on and on and on and I, I pause those radios at work and i hear same songs three four times despite not listening to the radio stations that shows you that the playlist is quite limited I like uh, a very I like to hear the, the the catalog a little bit more like uh, i want to hear different parts of the catalog so that's uh, oh, oh oh i forgot to say i i tend to look up long plays of like old pc games that i know i'm probably not gonna have the patience to play but i like the genre of uh, gameplay like the king's quest games and stuff like that they're pro they're it's it, I I can't relate 
as much to them, but I like the point-and-click style of gameplay, right? Uh, but So I like that without uh, commentary, mostly, or, or I'll just watch reviews of it. That works, too. So, uh, But next time, let's have an Ebola torture chamber party. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> Meaning discussions and reviews of Herman Yao's depraved Ebola syndrome starring Anthony Wong, shot in South Africa, nonetheless. I don't know if you remember that, but they shot it, uh, they said it in Johannesburg. Partly, and uh, I think they shot in South Africa. And we'll also be talking of the unrelated sequel to a Chinese torture chamber story, simply with a two added uh, to that title. And it's funny, that is uh, quite a serious and nasty one. And if people have seen the Chang Chie movie from Shaw Brothers called Blood Brothers, yeah, starring uh, David Chang, Chen Quan Tai, Di Long, that's the same story. They depict that story, and it's actually based on a true um, Ming or Qing dynasty court case, quite a famous one. So they bring that to the torture chamber story. So it isn't really about torture chamber, like akin to the first one, where they put things under your nails and shit. Like the biggest torture, I guess, is Mark Cheng, like ramming this big paintbrush up a woman's vagina. That that's a torture chamber in itself, I guess. But uh, we'll be talking of those too and uh, commenting in depth on Anthony Wong running around Hong Kong with a cleaver, shouting Ebola, 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 because <laughs> at that point he's immune to. So he and he. He does some fucked up shit like biting himself and then spitting blood on people and then running away. Ebola, Ebola, Ebola. <laughs> oh my god. And he gets peed on in that one as well, Anthony Wong. Yeah, so that's, that's cinema for you next time on This Week in Sleeves. But uh, thank you everybody for listening on our little Hofan to our little Hofan tribute show and uh, some quick contact information before we sign off and this has been This Week in Sleeves on the Podcast on Fire network we are on podcastonfire.com along with all our other shows and bonus episodes every now and again we haven't found an excuse to do one of our boner episodes uh, but um, we will because I have a I have that on permanent file the, the boing uh, sound effect that is needed for those uh, episodes that boing episode so i have that on permanent file and i'm gonna have to use it someday again but uh we are also uh, you can contact us by email if you have any questions or feedback podcast on fire at googlemail.com follow the handy buttons to our social media from the top of our uh, website uh, that leads us to our facebook our twitter and also to our itunes feed and also to stitcher radio online where you can search our shows for streaming but you can also download the applications from the Apple App Store and Google Play if you want to stream us that way. And I review these kind of category-free movies from Hong Kong and Taiwan and a variety of genres on SoGoodReviews.com. My video hub is SleazyKVideo.com and my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews. And uh, shout out again to ShelfLifeClothing.com. Their most famous shirt and hoodie is, of course, the Caucasians shirt. And buy it from them. Not from filthy rotten bootleggers, but buy it from shelflifeclothing.com, the original Caucasians. I need to get uh, some shirts from him, but uh, I've been uh, so busy getting fat that uh, I don't even, my shirt sizes keep doubling. <laughs> yeah, that's so. like, oh my God, are you okay, Joshua? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's my, my main goal. Like, watching Let's Play, being super fat. Because I've, I've graduated, I've graduated, and I <laughs> eat a tub of ice cream every day. I, you know, I have to live up to my role as an American to, uh, you know, gorge myself on every possible thing in the world that's, you know, could potentially kill me. As long as, as long as you keep your levels properly aligned, and you can drag yourself to work, you know. So that's that's all that matters. Listen, buddy, I'm trying to make America great again. <laughs> Listen.
I'm gonna build a huge wall of ice cream. It's gonna be huge. It's gonna be huge. We get this ice cream. It's made by the best people. I mean, the best people in the world. I got the best ice creams in the world. Best ice cream. <laughs> best ice cream words in the world. <laughs> I'm gonna use my gonna use my tiny fingers and hands to grab the ice cream. It's gonna be huge. <laughs> Very good. Very good. I like it. You, you got to tap into it. It's going to be huge. Like, yeah, uh, that's when you're into Trump, uh, essentially. Yeah. Like the, but uh, a, wall, a wall of ice cream. Like, sure. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be gone the next day. Like, <laughs> you're going to build it again. Maybe maybe he'll, he'll actually uh, make, uh, like, not, uh, like, fail at a business venture if he went into Trump ice cream. You know what I mean? He has its Trump <laughs> steak and shit. Like, that didn't work very well. Like, it's best ice cream. It's going to be huge. Comes in a huge box. Steak flavor. Caviar flavor. <laughs> it's made by Mexicans. They're great. Hispanics. I love Hispanics. They're huge. <laughs> Keep them in a, uh, in a cage at my house. They make the ice cream. It's great. It's huge. Well, 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 the Trashy Trio or sometimes Duo is also available on the web on, on Libsyn and we'll link directly to it so you can uh, hopefully check out the new episode sometime when life uh, when life works out in terms of scheduling with you and Wendy and uh, and or a guest, you never know. But uh, check out his archive of Splendid Podcasts, uh, my boy Joshua. All right, buddy, let's stop the fucking and let's salute Hofan. Big bucket of win, as they say, and uh, thank you. For making joyous a joyous mixture of uh, like glorious looking, sexy, but also fun celluloid, and uh, thank you for our classic eye for for the still, you know, the still and atmospheric as well. So, uh, as I always say, when we lose some people, which is sad, um, people in the arts or what have you, at least they're in in the case of this, like celluloid, it's uh, it's still there, it's immortal. It's a little bit obscure, as we said. His movies are not all available, but it's still immortal. He's left an imprint. So let's uh, let's thank him, thank him for that. So I uh, say, uh, b- bigger than you think, people. Uh, start looking up how fun online, and you realize that this was a guy that was world renowned. Really, thank you, Joshua, for taking the time to uh, to uh, join me in the tribute. And uh, let's uh, regroup for the Ebola torture chamber party next time around. It's gonna be huge. It's going to be huge. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody. I'm in Sleazy Gay, and with me was the great lord, the huge, great Joshua Regal. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.